Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. Boy, amen. Well, that's good, isn't it? That's a powerful name, isn't it? Amen, amen. If you got a Bible, begin to find Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We need to let children go to children's church. So if you got children, they're going to go to children's church. They line up over here. And so we'll, we'll get them to go to children's church. You got children's church? You going to be back at the end? Okay. All right. Acts chapter 1. While we watch them run on out of here. It's all right. <laughs> been preaching this series Jesus builds his church talking about us as a church trying to look through the book of Acts to sort of discover what is the church supposed to be about what are we supposed to be doing as God's people uh, the church just doesn't exist to be a building on a street corner uh, but we exist for a mission I came across this story this week of a guy named Leroy Meeks. Leroy Meeks was a foreman. He worked at a construction company. And uh, several years ago, um, they had some flooding that came through his town. And so, you know, most of you that probably know if you are a construction worker, if it's raining, if, uh, you know, if it's flooding, you don't go to work. You stay home. And so Leroy stay home. The thing about Leroy is Leroy had uh, six kids. And so uh, Leroy was watching the kids, and he, he told us, now look, uh, it, it's flooding outside. It's dangerous to be outside. I'm going to lay down and take a nap. I want you all to stay in the house. So Leroy went, down to, went to lay down and take a nap, and uh, boys doing what boys do, right? They didn't obey. And so three of the boys snuck out of the house, and uh, they decided that what they were going to do is they were going to make a raft out of uh, some styrofoam material. So they made this raft out of styrofoam material. They went down to the local bayou and uh, they saw that it was rushing like a river. So they decided they would go river rafting uh, on this styrofoam. Well, you can just imagine using styrofoam material, what happened? Uh, A disaster. It began to break up and began to fall to pieces and the boys uh, fell into the water. Well, the two oldest boys were able to grab to the side and climb out. Now, if you don't understand the bayou, and, and this is outside of Houston uh, in a little city called Pasadena, but, but in the city life, these bayous really were like concrete rivers. That's where a lot of the rainwater would run off from the city into these culverts, and it would be concrete. And so they were, they were riding down. So the two of the boys were able to grab the side. They were able to climb out. They couldn't get their little brother Eddie out, and so they ran home as fast as they could, and they woke up Leroy. Leroy grabs his keys, jumps in the pickup truck, goes down to the bayou to uh, help rescue Eddie. And no matter what he tried to do, he wasn't able to reach down and get him. So the water is rushing by, Eddie's holding on for dear life, and he cannot get him. And so Leroy remembers, I got a rope in my truck. And so he runs to his truck, he grabs the rope, and he throws the rope over the side. And guess what? The rope is too short. So no matter how much he tried... To get the rope to Eddie, it was too late. Two days later, they were burying Eddie. He drowned. I thought about that story 
It's been, been sort of in my mind for several weeks as I thought about that story in my own life and how does that impact me, not in the sense that I'm trying to rescue my kids from a, a culvert, but I just got to thinking about it in the sense as a pastor, as a Christian, as a ministry leader, and I thought about that in the sense of rescuing people, rescuing souls for the kingdom. And I thought about, about that in, in regards to the church. And I, I already told you last week, I was pretty brutal a couple of times. And I've already said, you know, the church is not reaching people. We're not out telling the gospel. We're not out telling people about the love of Jesus and that he saves. We're just not doing it. And uh, the, the statistics prove it, not just of our church, but statistically across the Southern Methodist Convention, across Protestant denominations, we're just not telling people. And I think the reason being is, is that we're, we're throwing some short ropes. And I wrote down some things that are sort of just uh, sort of convicting to me. And that is, you know, when I think about the world, when I think about those who don't know Jesus, who are outside of church, some of the short ropes that we throw to them is, I think sometimes we expect them to be regulated in their morality. You know, what we try to do is we boycott or, you know, we, we say we're against this or we're against that. And what we're trying to do is regulate morality. And the reality is you cannot regulate morality. Amen? I mean, you just it's impossible. I can't control what anybody does. Amen? And if you've raised kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can raise your kids to not tell the truth, but sometimes they're going to lie. Amen? And I regulated that with a belt. Amen? And sometimes it didn't work. Amen? And so we try to regulate morality. And the reality is we're never going to be able to regulate it. Or what we do is we preach at them that they need to change their lifestyles. You know, we, we spend a lot of time harping, change your lifestyle, change your lifestyle. Listen, I don't know about you, but the church is not in the business of regulating morality. Nor is it in the business of telling people to change their lifestyles. Amen? That's not the business of the church. The church is not to go around town and go, hey, young man, pull your pants up, you're bagging. That's not the job of the church. Does that annoy me when I see it? Sure it does. But it's not my job to go up there and say, hey, you need to pull your pants up. And as much as it pains me sometimes in public, when I see a little kid yelling at their parents, telling them no and screaming at them, I would love to go over to that little kid and give them a good old-fashioned butt whipping. But it's not my responsibility, and it's not the responsibility of the church to regulate that kind of stuff. Amen? If that parent wants to let that child disrespect them, that's on them. That's not on me. The other thing I thought about is this. We're not trying to conform people to look like us either. Amen? That's a good thing because I'm not that smart. I'm not that good looking. And so I don't want them to look like me. Amen? (laughs) But it's not about trying to conform people to be like us. Yet that's what we try to do. You know what I'm saying? I heard a statistic this past week. This is, this is a crazy statistic. It takes 18 months. Once a person comes to, to know Jesus, it takes 18 months for them to stop telling their faith. You know why? Because it's like the old joke. You've heard it before, but I'll say it again. It's just like this old boy got saved in church. He got on fire and got excited and was saying amen to the preacher and got excited about telling people about his faith. And one deacon was telling another one about it, you know, and he said, that's okay. He'll, he'll calm down soon. <laughs> Let's, let's hope we never calm down. Amen? 
That's the problem with us. 18 months later, after we get excited about being saved and becoming a part of Jesus, we, we forget to even tell people about him. And listen, if those ropes don't work, if we don't, you know, if we try to regulate the morality and it doesn't work, if we try to change their lifestyle and it doesn't work, if we try to conform them to look like us and that doesn't work, here's what we do. You ready for it? Here's the other short rope. We just ignore them altogether. Here we do. We come to church on Sunday morning. We, hey, brother, high five. How you doing, brother? You had a good week, brother. Let's talk some Alabama football over here. Let's talk about some Auburn football over there. Did I even say that word? Sorry, Lord, for cussing from the pulpit today. But you see what I'm saying? What we do is we, 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 we just ignore them because we come to church and we hang out with each other. And, you know, we see each other in Walmart. We'll speak. But let's just ignore the world. But, you know, my Bible teaches me, my Bible teaches me that Jesus was accused with eating with tax collectors and sinners. See, the problem with us as a church is we want to ignore them because they are dirty, right? That's our mindset. Well, they, they may smoke and drink and they may not use clean words and all their stuff. I'm going to tell you what. I was on the phone with my brother the other day and uh, he was in an airport. He was flying to Minnesota. My other brother had a heart attack and we were talking about my other brother. And can I tell you that I grew up in New Jersey and I fight a lot of times. I fight some of my upbringing in New Jersey because, listen, he was dropping the F-bomb. And I could have said to my brother, hey, hey, Tommy, guess what? I just don't like that F-bomb stuff. Would you please stop saying the F-word to me? I could have said that, but you know what? I'm making some inroads into his life to be able to tell him about the everlasting life of Jesus Christ. There's some times now that he's posting on Facebook some Jesus stuff. If I said to him, I don't want to hear that stuff, you know what he would do? Put a wall up, cut me off. Amen? Folks, what I'm saying is we've got to learn. That we cannot regulate people, but we have to love people. Amen? And our job is not to ignore them. And then there's another thing we may do that's another short rope. And this one's worse than all the ones I've talked about. And that is we, we conform to be like them. What we do is say, well, you can't win them, join them. Amen? So I go and I live a lifestyle that's in, in sin. And I live like everybody else from the rest of the world. And I live that way. And then they, when it comes time where they need a Christian, when it comes time where they say, hey, will you pray for me? They're not going to come to you and ask you to pray for them. You know why? They're going to say, your life makes no difference. Jesus is not doing anything in your life. You're no different than I am. As a matter of fact, most people don't even come to church anymore. Why? Because they go, hey, I work with so-and-so who's supposed to be a deacon at your church. Guess what? He's not like that at work. And if he's not going to be like that at work, I certainly don't want to go to church with him. Amen. I'm not trying to pick on deacons today. I'm just trying to say that's stuff I've been told in the past. Well, there's a bunch of hypocrites in that church. Where I always say, come join us. There's only room for one more. Amen. But the reality is, you've heard me say it a thousand times. We shouldn't give them the excuse. We shouldn't give them the excuse. We should live our lives openly that we are the salt and light of the world in order that people will be drawn to Jesus Christ, not pushed away from him. And when I live like everybody else, that's not salt and light. So Jesus is confronting his church. And we talked last week about being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we said that there's nothing that we can do. Listen, there's nothing we can do with the gospel. It has the power to save. But there's nothing we're going to do with the gospel. There's no influence that we're going to make in a society. There's no influence I'm going to make in my family. There's no influence I'm going to make on the job that I go to every day. Without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God. And that's Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the first half. Jesus told his disciples, you guys, hey, you're going to be 
be endued with power from on high. There's going to be this infilling of the Holy Spirit of God that's going to empower you to go into the world and preach the gospel. And that's the second thing I want to talk about today is this. Jesus sends his church. See, it's not enough that Jesus just empowers us because he can empower us. Listen, we talked about an automobile last week. My automobile can have the right engine inside and I can go out and I can get in the, in the driveway and I can crank it up every day. But if I never put it in drive, it goes nowhere. Amen? So God can empower me, but if I never do anything with the empowerment that he's given me, then listen, we're not doing what we're called to do. And so Jesus calls his church and he sends them out into the world to share the gospel. Notice Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be. Here it is. And you shall be. Not it would be nice if you are. Not when you squeeze it into your busy schedule you will be. No, you will be. What is the empowerment for? It's to be witnesses. Witnesses where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the rest of the world. So what is Jesus doing? He's sending his church not to gather and huddle on Sunday morning in Sunday school and in church. Not to gather in small groups throughout the week. But he's sending us into the world. That our gatherings are to prepare us for that sending. That what we do here ought to be the pep rally. Amen? You remember pep rallies in high school, those of us who are out? I've been out a good while, but I remember pep rallies. I hated pep rallies because I just didn't like them. You know, you're forced to go to those things in the gym and had pep rallies. You know, it's all about getting everybody excited about coming out for Friday night football. You know, some of us, we get excited Saturday well, we get up in the morning, we're like, woo, the game's come on at 2.30. I can't wait for the game to come on. We get all excited, all charged up. But what if we never turned it on? <laughs> We'd be all excited for nothing. See, that's what the Holy Spirit does to us. He gets us excited about Jesus on Sunday morning. And we come here and we get pep rallied up, right? And we get excited about what Jesus can do and what he's done in our life. And then what do we do? We go out on Monday and we're like, oh, it's Monday. And we just don't care. We just don't care to share our faith with anybody. Then we wasted our time here today. Amen? We wasted our time here. If we do nothing with it, we waste our time. And that's not what we're called to do. We're not called to waste time. My Bible says redeem the time. And so what are we sharing with people? Well, first of all, let's get the message right. Amen? The, the message, listen, the message isn't, hey, come to my church at Level Plains. We've got a great church. We've got a great worship leader. We got a great band and we sing some great new songs. And that's true. We, do, we got a, a good band leader and, or minister of worship. And, and we got a, a good band and, and we got good songs that we sing. Listen, that's, that's grand. That's wonderful. Don't, don't come to First Baptist Church because our pastor now wears jeans and a t-shirt. Amen. He's so cool. Well, he's not that cool. Let me tell you. Not that cool. <laughs> right now, I'm pretty hot to be honest with you. So, you know, this Fans are on, but this doesn't help up here. But so you see what I'm saying? It's not about evangelism, telling people, going into the world. Jesus didn't send us into the world to get more people in the seats of our pews. Amen. No, he wants more people in the kingdom of God. And so he sends his church out. And let's get the message right. It's not about the church, it's about Jesus. Amen. It's not about conforming to what I look like, it's about conforming to what Jesus is. And so we give them the gospel. What is this gospel? I, I found it 
very important that we talk about the gospel this morning. Because listen, it's the most powerful and life-changing message you'll ever share with anybody. See, we've lost confidence in the gospel. We forgot what Paul said, that the gospel is the power, the power of God unto salvation. Amen? He didn't say it was weak. He said it's the power of God unto salvation. Listen, people will get saved. Why? Because it's the power of God. And we forgot it's the power of God. We think it's all on us. It's dependent upon us. And it's not dependent upon us. It's dependent upon us telling the right story. But the right story is not complicated. We don't need a 15-step method to tell people about Jesus. Can I submit to you? We need three. Three simple steps. Listen to Paul, 1 Corinthians 15. Here's what he says is the gospel. For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I received. Where did he get it from? Jesus. That Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. There's point one. And that he was buried. There's point two. And then he says he rose again on the third day according to scripture. There's point three. How complicated is that? Why have we made it complicated? Why do I have to have 15 steps? I can remember years ago, Roger, you remember EE? I took EE. You know, it seemed like there was like 55 steps in EE to tell somebody about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, there was like a, a huge outline to remember to tell somebody just simply that, hey, God loves you through Jesus who died on the cross for your sin, was buried, and rose again on the third day. Wow, that's not complicated, is it? But we make it complicated. So I want you to think about for a minute this gospel. First of all, there is bad news. The bad news is simply this. Jesus died for what? Our sins. There's the bad news. The bad news is that every single one of us in this room are sinners. As a matter of fact, let me just put it this way. The reason that you do wrong things is because your nature that you were born with is to be a sinner. That is, all of us in this room were born with a tendency bent towards doing wrong. Doing wrong towards who? God Almighty. And because of that sin, because of the sin nature that is in your life, that is not the many things you've done wrong, not all the cuss words you've told, not all the things you looked at you shouldn't have looked at, not all the things you've listened to you shouldn't have listened to, not all the acts that you've done. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the nature that caused you to do those things we were born with into the world. And here's what the Bible says. Because of that, that has separated us from God. That's bad news. That's not good news. Who wants to hear that? Who wants to hear there's nothing that I can do? I'm separated from God. I'm born this way. That doesn't seem fair. Well, it doesn't. But listen to what Isaiah says. Isaiah says, but your iniquities, that is your sin, have separated you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you. Listen, that he will not hear. Sin is the bad news. All of us in this room are born in sin, separated from God. No hope of heaven. But listen, it gets worse. And the reason why it gets worse is simply this. You and I are born in sin, separated from God. And the worst part about it all is, there's nothing you can do to change it. Do you hear me? There's nothing you can do to change that. There's nothing you can do to take that sin away. As a matter of fact, what we try to do is just the opposite. People have tried to use morality. Listen, we try to do moral things. We try to do right things. We try to straighten our behavior out. I've had people say to me, if I can just get my life going in the right direction and do the right things. We all know we need to do right things, but the problem is we have a hard time doing the right thing. Amen? 
I mean, you, you try to live just the Ten Commandments. Let's just throw the rest of the Bible out for a minute. Just start living the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not lie. How many of us ever lied? <laughs> wow. You're all a bunch of liars in this house today. <laughs> right? I mean, think about it for a minute. You know, if we just take the Ten Commandments, we have a hard time. You should have no other gods before me. How many times have we not let God be God in our lives when we had other things in our lives? Just think about that. You shouldn't commit adultery. You say, oh, I never cheated on my wife. How many times you lust after the woman you saw at Walmart? Right? Who was wearing yoga pants who shouldn't be wearing yoga pants. Amen? But the reality is, she may be responsible for what she's wearing, but I'm responsible for what I'm looking at. Amen? I can't blame any woman for what she wears if my eyes are Googling on her. Amen? I'm the responsible party. She has her own blame, but I have the, I'm the responsible party for myself. I can't control what people wear. Amen? Isn't that a cold, hard fact? That's the reality. Let's quit blaming other people for the sin that we're in. Amen? So what we try is we try to be, we try to be good. But then, here's the other thing we try. Here's what we try to do good works. That is, we try to do good things. You know, we, we, we help people out. You know, we see somebody on the side of the road, got a flat tire, we stop and we help them change their tire and get them on their way. And, and we think, hopefully what's going to end up happening is, at the end of the day, when I die, I'm going to be standing before God. He's going to have a big giant scale there. And on that scale, he's going to put on this side my good stuff, and on this side my bad stuff. And he's going to put this scale, and I'm going to be holding my fingers and hoping, oh, please, 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 tilt to the right way, tilt to the right way, let all the good works be more than my bad works. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says there is no work that God will accept. And so that we can't be good. We can't be full of good works. There's no way we're going to be able to do it. Then here's what we do sometimes then. We say, well, if it's not about good works, if it's not about morality, then here's what I'll do. I'll join a church. I'll try religion. (laughs) And then people will jump into religion. I saw a testimony this past week of a young girl who was really feeling a nudge in her heart that she wasn't right with God. And so she went and she joined the Muslim faith. Because she said she needed something to bring her close to God. And when she joined the Muslim faith, she found out over a period of two years following closely that it did not sustain her. That she did not have a relationship with God through religion. Why? Because she got sick. And when she got sick, that didn't offer anything internal. That didn't offer anything to sustain her heart. And worry began to take over and she just quit. Till finally one day, she met somebody named Jesus. And it wasn't a relationship, or excuse me, it wasn't a religion. It was a relationship. And there's where she found true peace. So let me tell you something. The worst news is you cannot do anything about your sin. And if you try, you're going to fail 100% of the time. But there is good news. The Bible said Jesus died for our sins, amen? The good news is that on the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life, never sinned, went to the cross of Calvary. And here's literally what happened to him. Literally, your sin was nailed to the cross in his body. Your punishment, God gave to him. Rather than God nailing you to a cross, he nailed Jesus in the cross in your place, And all your sin nature was put on Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that he was nailed to that cross and his blood was shed. And on that cross, listen, it is by his sacrifice of his blood being poured out that your sins can be washed away. See, Jesus Christ is the only way you can be saved. 
David, there's nothing else that will save a man. We try all these other things. Listen, nothing, nothing, nothing will work but Jesus Christ's death on the cross, dying in your place for your sin, his blood being shed to wash your sin away. That's the good news. He took your place. All the wrath of God was thrown on him. God would turn his face away and say, what? God, Jesus would look at God and say, why have you forsaken me? Why? Because the wages of sin is death. And Jesus took that penalty for us on the cross so that we don't have to be separated from God. But the, the second element is just as vital. Paul said in that verse, right? Jesus died for our sins according to the scripture and he was buried. They put him in a grave. You don't put living people in a grave unless, of course, you're a lunatic, right? And then if you are, the chief is going to come looking for you. Right, chief? So Jesus was buried. How do we know Jesus was dead? Well, there was this custom among the Roman soldiers, that if people were lingering on a cross, a lot of times they would break the knees of, G, of, the, of the people on the cross. But Jesus never had a broken body according to the scripture and according to prophecy. He would not have. And the reason being is he died. How do we know he, he died? Well, they didn't break his leg. The other custom that they had was, well, if you would take that spear and you would send it up into the cavity of the body, the upper body, it could pierce up into the heart. And when they did that, they pierced the heart. Water and blood began to flow out of his side. Sure sign evidence he's dead. So what did they do? They let his friends have his body. They took his body, quickly prepared it for burial, put it in a borrowed tomb. Jesus was dead. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. Spiritual separation, that is from God, is a spiritual death, but physical death and all too well do we know people who died. It's a result of sin. It's the curse of sin on this world. And so when you and I begin to tell people about this Jesus and about this good news of the gospel, we begin with the bad news that turns into worse news. The bad news is they're sinners. The worst news is they can't do anything about it. But the good news is Jesus did. But the news gets better. Because the third element of that is what? He died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried, but praise God, on the third day, he rose from the dead according to the scriptures. That is, Jesus came alive out of the grave. Hallelujah, he's alive. Amen? We don't serve a dead savior. We don't deserve a, a powerless God. He's full of power. And that's why the gospel has power, because Jesus came out of the grave, and he's alive. And listen, he didn't swoon in the grave. He didn't just pass out in the grave. Listen, he was dead, and he came to life, and he told Pilate, if I lay it down, I'll pick it up again. Amen? And he did. <laughs> he came to life on the third day, and he came out of that borrowed tomb. He, he just needed it for three days. And so he came out, and he was very much alive. And the Bible says he was seen by all these witnesses. All these people saw him. And the Bible tells us that if, listen, if, 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 think about it. If Jesus is still dead, if he's like all these other religious leaders that are still in their graves, you can find their bones. If he's like all those leaders that were great communists that lived and tried to say there was no religion, their, their bodies are still in the grave. You can still go to Russia and see Lenin. You can still do that. Why? Because his body is still lifeless. It's dead. It's preserved. But Jesus is well and alive. He was seen by all these witnesses. Listen, if he is dead, if we forget that's the essential element of the gospel, then when we, we are like what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, 
if he's not risen, then our faith is futile. We can close our Bibles and we can go home. We're wasting our time this morning singing if Jesus is still dead. I'm wasting my time preaching if Jesus is still dead and in the grave. But no, he says, if you are, he said, and then here's the worst part of it, he says, and you are still in your sins. That is, we're still lost, still separated from God. No hope of ever going to heaven. I don't know about you. I want to go. Amen? I want to go, but there's only one way to go. Jesus Christ. And Paul says it's through the resurrection. Listen, it's through the resurrection that God does what we call justify us. What does that mean? What does it mean to justify? I'll just read you the definition. Listen to this definition. Justification is God's act by which he removes the guilt and the penalty of sin while at the same time, listen to this now, it's beautiful, while at the same time making you the sinner righteous through Jesus' death and resurrection as the payment for your sin. What does God do? Through what Jesus has done on the cross, God forgives us of our sin. He cleanses us of all the unrighteousness we have. And he gives us a righteousness we didn't deserve. That is his righteousness. While he removes, listen, the penalty and the guilt of sin. In order what? In order that I can be right with him and be able to go to heaven. And he did all of that through what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. Amen. That's not complicated, ladies and gentlemen. That took me longer to explain it than you have to explain it to somebody else. But I'm trying to give you the bare bones essentials, the bare basics, so that you can take this message into the world and tell someone that Jesus died. Three things. All you got to do is Jesus died for your sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again on the third day. And that's all you can remember. Bless God. Tell him that. Amen. That's the power of the gospel. Those are the words that Paul got from Jesus Christ. Just tell him that truth. Let me wrap it up. Go into Acts 1-8 again and listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, you in verse 8, notice I'm, I'm coming to an end. I, trust me, hang in there. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then this one he says, you shall be witnesses to me. There it is. What, is. what are we saved to do? What are we here to do? Right there. That's our primary mission as a church. Be witnesses. Not condemnatory. Not trying to clean up the world. Not trying to boycott the system. I submit to you, you look at the New Testament and you find in the New Testament where Jesus began to preach the kingdom of God is at hand. So do what? Repent. John the Baptist, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. You see God, Jesus Christ rather, going to the cross, coming to life again. And then he's empowering disciples what? And what does he say to the disciples? He can say anything he wants to say. He can say, guys, go take the Roman government. Go do that. Overthrow them. That's not what he says. Matter of fact, that was on their mind. If you read those verses prior to that, they're like, hey, Jesus, now that you're alive, let me ask you a question. Is it now the time you're going to usurp them? Is now the time you're going to set up your earthly kingdom and rule on the throne of David as the Messiah forever? Jesus said, that's none of your business. That's what he said. Read the text. Jesus says, none of your business, but you shall what? Get powered and go share. Get full of the Holy Ghost, get excited about the gospel, realize it's the power of God unto salvation, and then go witness. Amen? That's what he says. Read the context. Don't worry about all this other junk around us. When's Jesus coming back? We get preoccupied with that sometimes. And Jesus said, just get out there and share, 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 share. How do I share? What am I to do? Well, first of all, you share by giving the gospel message. <laughs> 
You go and you tell people the gospel message. How do I know that? Well, Romans 10, 14, and 15. Listen to what it says. How then shall they call on him, that is Jesus, whom they have not believed? How are they going to believe in Jesus whom they have not heard of? How, are they, how shall they hear without a preacher? That's not me. That's you proclaiming the good news. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Well, we've been sent, right? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Listen, the gospel is not bad. It's good. Amen? It's the best news, the most powerful news, life-changing news that anybody will ever hear. And our job is to go and to teach them and to share them with them about the gospel. I said in Sunday school, one of the hardest things about that, honestly, one of the hardest things about sharing the gospel is that it's hard to get into the conversation and sometimes it's hard to get out of the conversation. Amen? I mean, we sort of sit through our, think to ourselves, okay, now I got this person and I'm having this conversation. How do I talk about spiritual things with them? And then after you talk about Jesus, the hardest part is to sort of seal the deal, right? It's to, how do I get out of this conversation? How do I, how do I move on? How, now that I planted the seed, what do I do from here? And the reality is, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's as simple as being bold enough to say, hey, can I ask you a personal question? Or being bold enough to just say, hey, can I, can I just share with you some excitingly good news? <laughs> Let me tell you, one of the things I've never lacked in being able to share is the birth of my grandchildren. Amen. You have a new grandbaby boy. Let me tell you about you. Let me tell you about my, 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 my babies. Now, you may not want to hear about them, but let me tell you about my babies. And, and nowadays, you know, you don't have the wallet with all the little pictures that fall out, you know. Now we go, let me, let me show you my picture. And pull out my iPhone and begin to slide, 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 you know. And they're like, yeah, okay, whatever, go on, you know. Listen, simply being able to share with them some good news. Can I, and that, and maybe sometimes all you got to do is say, hey, can I share with you some good news? You know, we're hearing a lot of bad news nowadays, Steve. Let me share with you some good news. And then we share the truth. Jesus died for our sins, according to the scriptures. You know what? Before I share the good news, can I just tell you there's some bad news? The bad news is you got sin in your life. You know, but there's, before I get to the good news, can I tell you, there's also some worse news. The worst news is you, you can't do anything about your life. You can't change it. But there is good news. I promise good news. And so here's the good news. Jesus died. Jesus died for your sin so that your life could be changed. And, and listen, not only is there good news, there's great news. There's great news. If you repent of your sin, if you, if you ask Jesus to save you, today he'll save you. Amen? That's, that's great news. I don't know about you. That's great news. Amen? So we tell him the message. Here's the second method. Here's, here's the second thing we need to do. We need to just simply share our personal testimony. Has Jesus changed your life? And let me just give you three things to write down. Write these three things down. If you're going to share your testimony, here's three things you ought to think about in sharing your testimony. Practical, very practical. Here they are. Number one, what was your life like before Jesus? Number two, what happened? How did Jesus change you? And number three, what's your life like now? How did Jesus make a difference? How is your life different? Bless God, I hope we're different. So, so we're sharing the gospel story, but we're also sharing our story. And we're saying, you know what? Before I came to know Jesus, man, I was, I was filled with pride. I was filled, relationships were all about me. 
All they cared about was I could get out of relationships. And you know, when you live that kind of life, that hurts people. Because that just makes people instruments to get what I want. But you know, then I realized I'm not all that. Because I realized something about myself. I realized I was separated from God. And I realized even worse that there wasn't anything, David, I could do about it. But then I heard some good news. I heard the good news that Jesus saves. That, that he would go to the cross and he would die for my sin. And, and that even though he was buried on the third day, he came to life again. And he did that in order that I could be right with God. And you know, I was convicted in my heart. I repented of my sin. And I called on the name of Jesus to be saved. And, and you know what? He came to have a relationship with me. And now, let me tell you something. The relationships I have are much more valuable. Why are they more valuable? Because I had this relationship with Jesus that changed my outlook. He helped me to see people not as instruments to be used, not as a means to get what Mike wants, but as souls that he loves. You see the difference? See how you can do it? Does that make sense? What was your life like before? What changed? What's it like after? Where does Jesus send us? Notice the text. Go back to verse 8. I'm, I promise I'm getting close. We're going to feed you lunch, so just hang in there. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. I don't want to be too technical here, but it's where they are, right? That's where the, the Jews were. They were in Jerusalem. And then as you make the scope out, you begin to go into the region of Judea and Samaria. And then it's just open borders, right? Go anywhere and everywhere that people will listen to Jesus, right? They will listen to the message. So go everywhere and anywhere where Jesus is. Now, listen, listen, as you go, listen, as you go and as we move out into the world, let me, let me just add this word of advice to you. When you begin to talk to somebody about the gospel, let me add this advice to you. Use what is called permission evangelism. That is always ask people, don't just Thrust yourself upon them. But always ask people, can I share with you some good news that I found? And here's the thing about it is, and I learned this principle just this week in reading. But listen, this is a great principle. As you ask somebody, and if they say, I don't want to hear it. You remember what Jesus said? Don't cast your pearls before swine. That's probably a good example. If they don't want to hear it, then just say, okay, well, I appreciate your time and thank you very much. Don't be the telemarketer, amen? I hate telemarketers. How many people just don't like telemarketers? Yeah. Because the other day somebody called me and I said, I'm not interested. Oh, it sounds like you're interested. Why didn't you just not hear? I'm not interested. And I hung up on them like any good preacher would do. So just ask permission. Don't be, don't cast your prayer before smile. If they don't want to hear it, they're not going to listen to you anyway. So just say, hey, I, I appreciate your time. Be respectful is what I'm trying to say. Be respectful towards people. Amen. So what does it look like? Okay, Jesus sends us in the world. That's what we ought to do with the gospel. What does that look like? Every day, what does that look like? Well, let me just ask you this one question. Who would be the one? Who would be the one person in your life that you know needs to hear the good news? Who is that one person? Think about that person right now. 
If you can't think of anybody, let me just ask another series of questions. Who's in your family that needs the gospel? Who's in your circle of friends that needs the gospel? Who's at your workplace that needs the gospel? Who, students, is at your school that needs the gospel? Here's, here's one. Who, who is it that serves you that needs the gospel? You know, for example, who's the one that cuts your hair? Girls, who, who's the one that does your nails? You ever thought they may need Jesus? So who is it, who is it around you that serves you that may need the gospel? Who is it that's in our city, our state? We're in our country who needs Jesus. Do you realize, I came across this, this statistic this week, do you realize that the United States is the third largest lost world, or lost country in the world? There's only two countries that surpass us in lostness, India and China. And can I tell you what God's doing there? He's saving people left and right. And if we don't get busy, listen, we're going to be the first on the list. Think about that. In America. So let's get down to the bare bones application of it. Here's what I want to ask you again. Who's your one? Who's that one person you can share with? And here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. I'm going to challenge you to pray specifically for that person that they would hear the gospel for the next four days. That doesn't mean you're telling them for you're praying for them for four days. For the next four days, you'll commit yourself, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you'll commit yourself to pray for them and say, Lord, would you open their heart? I love them, and I want them to go to heaven. Would you open their heart that they would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? Pray for them. Number five, if you look on the end of your pews. Now, if you are in the short pews, they are to your left. On the left end of the pew are tracks. There's a tool that you can use this week to go and tell them about Jesus. Just a little track looks like that. On the back, it's got our web information and stuff for people so you can tell them the good news just by this little track. If you have to, read this booklet to them. There's nothing, in, nothing shameful about reading this booklet. It'll even tell you how to open the conversation and tell you how to close the conversation at the end. Nothing, nothing wrong with using this little book. It came from the North American Mission Board. So here's a, here's a tool for you to use. Listen, don't be shocked if you pray for them. Seriously, pray for them. And then you sit down and try to share with them that God don't open that door for you. Because God honors those kinds of prayers, amen? Share with them this. If they come to know Jesus, don't have a Bible, come see me. I ordered a case of these Bibles. We got a case of Bibles ready to give out. I just believe God's gonna do something if we'll get busy and ask people about Jesus. I believe God will do something. I really do. I'm, I'm not lying. I'm not trying to give you this, the pep rally speech. I, I'm serious. I believe what God says in his word. The gospel is the power unto God unto salvation. Listen, it'll, it saves people. It changes people's lives. I believe God would do that. And so listen, listen. If you need a Bible, come see me. You know, I wonder what would have happened in the book of Acts if they would have heard Jesus in Acts 1-8. And did what the modern church does. does. You know what we would have had? We would have probably had maybe Acts chapter 1. Maybe part of 2. And the whole ministry would have shut down. You know when I look around our church. And I see a lot of empty seats. And I think you know. Our people are horrible about inviting people to church. I don't think that at all. You know what I really think when I see that? I think man. I got to get busy with the gospel. I got to be a a leader in sharing the gospel with lost people. Because that's how God fills churches. Amen. Last week we talked about what fills churches is 
the people of God full of the Holy Spirit of God. You know why? Because when the people of God get full of the Holy Spirit of God, listen, they'll go tell the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost world. And guess what? People get saved. Churches that are growing, you know what the difference between churches that are growing and churches not growing? It's telling the gospel. <laughs> churches that are growing are out there telling people about Jesus. Churches not growing, we're content, we're happy. And we're not telling people about Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.